Welcome to the Clothe with the Sun daily podcast, a reading from the gospel and a meditation. I am James Thomas. Today is Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. It is the Tuesday of the second week of Easter. We're going to do a little reading here from the gospel according to John. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it wills, and you can hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can this happen? Jesus answered and said to him, You are the teacher of Israel, and you do not understand this? Amen, amen, I say to you. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen but you people do not accept our testimony. If I tell you about earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So, Jesus is in this conversation with Nicodemus. It's a continuation of yesterday. And Nicodemus is, I mean, he's to be commended because he's talking to Jesus. He's listening. There is some conversion of heart that appears to be happening there, yet he still does not understand certain things. Hey, who are we to judge because we struggle with our own understanding and hopefully we're we're growing, we're getting better as we go. But... One thing that Jesus says very clearly here at the end, which is just crucial for the whole thing, I mean, initially it's talking about baptism, the sending of the Spirit, but now he's saying about how he will be lifted up, and he's specifically speaking about his cross, so that everyone who believes in him and follows him may have eternal life. And he compares it to Moses in the desert, lifting up the serpent. People had been bitten by snakes, they were poisoned, and so anyone who looked upon this the bronze serpent that Moses had made, that Moses lifted up, those were cured. So it's a great image, great foreshadowing of our Lord. And really, for today's sermon, without going into uh, all kinds of theology about what Jesus is talking about here, I just wanted to talk about Jesus being lifted up. Somebody had said to me a little while back that that was the job of the priest, to lift up Jesus. Well, it's not his only job, but it's a a great job. It's a very important job. Nobody else gets to do that. And why is it so important? Well, Jesus says it. It's a deliverance. It's a deliverance from evil. It's a deliverance from poison. They, They looked at the serpent, the bronze serpent, and they were cured of the poison that they had been inflicted with. We look to Jesus on the cross. We receive from the tree of life in the Eucharist, which is the cross. The the tree of life is the cross. And yes, holding up Jesus, saying the name of Jesus, these are powerful things against the devil. Calling upon his passion, calling upon his precious blood, calling upon his mercy that he earned for us from the cross. These are the things that heal us, that cure us. Uh, There's a particular priest that I know that when he says Mass, 
he holds up the Eucharist for an extended amount of time. One time, uh, one of his parishioners was talking about him and he said, ah, what's that father doing? What's that priest doing? He holds that thing up in the air like it's the most important thing in the whole world. Well, it sounded kind of disrespectful, but hey, a broken clock is right twice a day. He's absolutely right, that <laughs> parishioner, to say, yes, it's the most important thing in the whole world. It's Jesus. It's God Almighty. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. Yes. So it's important that we hold up Jesus. Why is it important? I um, I can just think of a couple different stories. One story is, you know, just about holding Jesus up. There was a woman that I used to know when I was younger. She was an elderly woman and she was a bit of a mystic. Sometimes she would say things that nobody else could know. And we knew that she spent many long hours in prayer. Well, we used to sometimes pick her up. I was assigned at one point to bring her communion and I would have to go into this horrible neighborhood to bring her communion. And uh, so I got to know her. Some of my friends got to know her a little bit. And sometimes she would ask us to bring her to church. One time we had brought her to mass and she was laughing and she was singing all during mass. She was making all these strange gestures. And we asked her about it after mass. Why were you putting your hands up? Why were you laughing? Why were you singing out loud, you know, in different ways? And she said, oh, I could see all the angels today. I could see what was going on at mass. And she said there were demons assigned to the people in the church to distract them from the Eucharist, to distract them from what was going on on the altar. But there were angels. There were angels there to worship Jesus. And she said, you know, these demons that were going around, she said they looked like little kids, but they were really ugly. They looked, they had old men faces and they were there tempting everybody. And some people were more easily tempted than others. She said those that belonged to the Blessed Mother were less easily tempted. But she said when the priest said the words of consecration and held up the host, all the demons fled the room. That they could not stand to be in the presence of Jesus consecrated. The, the bread that had become the body of Christ and literally his passion becoming present right there before everyone. The demons fled. A... Uh, I'm just thinking of two other priests that talked about the moment of consecration. One priest used to say that the Holy Spirit breathes into the host. It's just a great thing to think about during the consecration. The Holy Spirit breathes into the host. It's a piece of bread. The Holy Spirit breathes the life of God into it. Just as new life takes place, you know, a baby in its mother's womb, just as new life happens, you know, at the beginning of time and, and all the time in so many different ways, this is new supernatural life. This is new divine life. Oh, yeah, although it's not new, it's the eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit breathes into the host, and the host becomes Jesus, just as Jesus took place, took his place in the womb of Mary. Another priest used to say that at that moment I lift up the host, I can relax. He is just amazing when you think about all the different implications of what he's saying here. He says, he used to say, um, when I say the words of consecration up to that moment, I've been in charge. I have to carry the congregation. I have to do everything and I have to be the center of attention. And once I say those words of consecration and I'm holding up Jesus, now he's in charge. He's here. I don't need to be the boss anymore. I can relax. Now, are there little theological discrepancies with that statement? Sure. I mean, is the priest in charge? Yes, but God is there too. 
And in so many ways, we are responsible for our own prayer life. And I think one of the problems of maybe newer decades in the church is that we put a little too much on the priest having to be the uh, center of attention and the the uh, the tour guide, the entertainer, etc. Uh, and yes, there could be other things that we say about that statement. But and, and Jesus, yeah, he's already present in the tabernacle. It's true. But still, it's a beautiful statement of... At the moment of consecration, he was just holding bread. Now he's holding Jesus. Jesus is up there in front of everybody, and everyone can now shift their attention to God Almighty, who's being held up in the hands of the priest. God Almighty that took away our sins, that saved the world. He's now here, and we can rejoice, and we should rejoice. And our attention should not be on any other thing. Sometimes priests will say, it's so frustrating when... You know, I've consecrated the host, and we have the ability to receive Jesus, and yet people are so preoccupied with so many other things. They're jingling their keys, and they're zipping up their coats because they want the priest to hurry up so that they can get the early bird special at the diner. Um, you know, the priest might want to take some time and pray as well. Uh, it's It can be very frustrating. Um, you know, here we are, we just received Jesus and I don't know, so many other concerns seem to be more important at that moment. So many other things, I forget exactly what I was going to say, but there's so many different things that come up, which it shouldn't be the case. You know, God almighty. I mean, what if Jesus came in the flesh as he was here 2000 years ago? I think we would make a bigger deal about that. We'd at least call the news companies, have the cameras there, right? But Jesus is always there. He comes time after time after time, and he's always there anyway. And yet, as he said in the Divine Mercy Diary, they treat me like I'm a dead object. So, yes, it can be very frustrating. Uh, But yes, to to focus on the positive, when Jesus is there, he's in charge, and he's always in charge. And we need to just rely upon him. Other stories I can think of, uh, priests, I mean, I've heard so many stories like this. Priests taking hosts, consecrated hosts, perhaps in adoration and benediction, to abortion clinics, or to strip clubs, or to tarot card readers. And these places shut down. Why? Because the demons leave when the Eucharist is present. Simply holding up Jesus drives out the evil one and fills the place with light and joy and love and peace. And I'm reminded in the the story in the life of St. Anthony, where he would preach in the town square, and there was an atheist man that used to heckle him. So uh, one day, St. Anthony challenged him. He said, okay, well, uh, you know, if you won't accept the truth of the Eucharist, let's see what these animals do. And he somehow knew. Now, remember, Franciscans have a special gift with the animals. (laughs) St. Anthony definitely had that gift, just like St. Francis. But he said, why don't we take these farm animals here and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we won't feed them for a while. We'll make them good and hungry, bring them into the town square, and we'll offer them some food. But we'll also hold the Eucharist up and just see what they do. And it was a miracle that many people witnessed. The animals came into the courtyard They were starving. There was food there for them, but they first went over to where the Eucharist was and they bowed down. They bowed their heads and they did homage to the Eucharist. And then they were dismissed by St. Anthony so that they could go eat. 
So it's a beauty, it's a beautiful miracle and the charisms of the Franciscan order. There are many other stories like that from many Franciscans, uh, but also it's a miracle of the Eucharist. Um, so Jesus wants to be lifted up. Jesus, uh, you know, he came to be lifted up. He didn't, as he said, you know, let this cup pass from me. He, he suffered horribly in dying on the cross, yet he did want to save us from our sins. So he came, that was his mission to be lifted up so that we could all be free so that we could be free from evil so that we could know peace and know true love and true joy. So we thank the Lord for his goodness to us. And as he explained everything to Nicodemus, we ask Jesus to explain things to each one of us that we may grow in a deeper knowledge of our faith, a deeper understanding and a deeper intimacy with him. Hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.